0: No Tears in Heaven. That'll be our focus this evening for a few minutes together. No Tears in Heaven. I can't really help it. I have to talk about life and beyond. In camp this year, Bible camp this past week, our theme was life, death, and beyond. Our total little ones in class, I said, now, on Monday, we're going to study life. On Tuesday, we're going to study death. You need to come dressed in black on Tuesday. And did you know most of them did? They all had a black t shirt. I did too. I had a Fletcher Family, family Chiropractic black t shirt, so I showed up too. And then Wednesday we talked about Beyond. And then Thursday we did a review. So we're Beyond tonight No Tears in Heaven. This is a study of heaven. From the standpoint of what is not going to be there, what is not going to be there. We can relate to this a little bit in life. You may recall, like I do, that as I went from elementary school to middle school, there were more bullies there. There were young men who had been left there who ought to have been in high school, and they weren't happy about it and they made life quite miserable. They terrorized little fifth and sixth graders that came in to middle school. But once they were removed, then life got better. But until that happened, it was somewhat very tense going to school uh, every day. My good friend, Jared Jackson, who grew up in Stockton, uh, California, he was in public school in those days, and he related that all during his middle school and high school years, he never went to the restroom. He said, you just would not, do not go to the restroom. So basically, he did not eat or drink until he got home later in the afternoon because if you went to the restroom, you would get beat up, okay? You'd get something to be stolen from you. That's just the way it was in California. So we can relate to how that when something is not there, sometimes it's, it's quite a bit better. And so together this evening, let's look into the book of Revelation and see what is not going to be there. We're going to focus on no tears, but we're also going to be looking at some other matters which will not be there. First of all, from Revelation 22, Revelation 22 and verse number 3, John relates there will be no curse there, no curse, no curse. And of course, this refers to the initial curse of sin way back with Adam and Eve, way back in the Garden of Eden when sin was first introduced into into this world. There are, of course, physical effects of the curse of sin and spiritual effects. Uh, effects of the curse of sin. Let's look at the physical uh, first. Reading way back to Genesis uh, chapter uh, 3, you recall that God was handing out judgments because of sin's uh, entrance into the world. And He talked to the woman. He talked to the woman in Genesis 3:16. To the woman, He said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And then to the man he said, Genesis three seventeen. he says, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field and by the sweat of your face it says to him he said to him you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken and for you are dust and to dust shall you uh, return and so there's some physical impacts from the curse of sin the big physical impact of course is death itself as we keep reading here in Genesis 3, 22 to 24, Adam and Eve are run out of the garden and not allowed to come back into the garden, which brought death, physical death, into the world because they did not have access to the tree of life. To that, Paul says in Romans 5 and verse 12, through one man, sin entered into the world and then death uh, through sin. And so in heaven... There will not be any more impacts, effects of sin. It's certainly not in a physical way. The curse of sin also affects us and we feel it spiritually because Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says our sins will separate us uh, from God and that's the effects of sin. To that, Paul says in Romans 6 and 23 that the wages of sin is death. The idea of death, the basic meaning of death is separation, is separation. James defines this for us in James two twenty-six. He says, death is the separation of the spirit from the body. Even so, when we sin, we separate ourselves from our God. And so we can see that the curse of sin brought a, a physical impact, certainly, and it also brought a spiritual impact. Going back to the physical for just a moment, if you turn over to Romans 8 and look at verses 20 to 23, you see that even the, even the creation itself groans, groans. Okay? So everything that is negative toward life, everything is, that is negative toward our environment here on earth is due to sin, to sin. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Because over in Galatians 3, verses 10 to 13, we read that Jesus became a curse for us. When Jesus died for us, he became a curse for us. Part of the Old Testament law was, Cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Jesus stepped forward and volunteered to hang, allow himself to be hung on that tree, to be hung on the cross. In that sense, he became a curse for us so that we can overcome the curse of sin. So therefore, when we learn about Jesus, learn about his love, learn about his life, learn about his sacrifice, and we are moved by that to the point of surrendering to his will, surrendering our lives over to him, being faithful and following Him, then one day we can find ourselves in heaven up above where there is no longer any curse. In this sense, Paul writes about this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, where, where he says that Jesus has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And that's exactly right. When we submit to Jesus and receive forgiveness of our sins, then as we said this morning, that brings spiritual life to us. But in addition to that, in addition to that, Jesus not only abolished death for us to have forgiveness, but he abolished death in the sense that we can now have immortality with him. We can have eternal life with him. Thanks be to God. And so up in heaven where we are going, there will no longer be any curse any curse, and we'll be able to be there in that very lovely and beautiful environment. Maybe you'd like to add to that Revelation 22 and verse number 15 where we read that outside of this city of God, outside the city gates, are the dogs and the sorcerers And the fornicators and the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lies and falsehoods. All of these who are cursed will not be in that city. Add to that Revelation 21 and verse 27. But nothing unclean will ever enter into this city, nor anything or anyone who does what is an abomination or what is detestable. Or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So first of all, what is not there? No more curse. No more curse. Secondly, what will we not find there? What will not be there? No night there. Staying in the same chapter, Revelation 22, verse 5, notice it very carefully. No night there. So in my little 11, 12-year-old class this past week, I just, I just made that statement. Then I asked them, I said, why will there not be any night in heaven? One little boy without even hesitating, okay, without looking at scripture, without anything, he just answered right away, very calmly and correctly. He said, because God is there. He just right away answered, because God is there. And how right uh, he is, and that's what the scriptures. Uh, bear out. We mentioned this morning 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 that simply says God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If heaven is the home of God which it is, then we would expect there to be no darkness at all there because God is there. Now look at your Bible at Revelation 22 and verse 5 and see how right this little boy was. Revelation 22 5 says, and no night and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And then jump up to Revelation 21 and beginning in verse 23. Revelation 21:23, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb of God Himself. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory uh, into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. Okay. So what will not be there? There will be no night there. The presence of God Himself will be something that we will experience that really at this point is indescribable. The presence of God, the presence of God. We remember when Jesus appeared to Saul of Tarsus as he was on the road to Damascus, that when he did, it was a huge light that appeared. Just about every time God and his angels appears in the Bible, there's light Huge bright light associated uh, with it. We remember Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration that he was transformed into a glorious shining light. God is light, and no darkness at all is found in him. I think also here that there is a comfort concerning the scariness of life. There w- won't be any of the scariness. Of life, there, darkness is associated with fear, and I don't really have another word for it—the scariness of life. Most bad things happen at night, under the cover of night. Maybe that's why we read in Luke two, verse eight, that the that the shepherds were out there at night guarding the sheep. A faithful shepherd didn't just work from eight. Before, But rather, he guarded his sheep by night, and for good reason. We read in the Bible about the thief that comes in the night, First Thessalonians 5. Bad things happen in the night. The cover of darkness allows evil things to, to be done. And it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. But there will be no night there in heaven. Several years ago, these, these movies came out about Monsters, Monsters, Inc, and Monsters University, and had these certain uh, weird-looking monsters, one completely covered with blue fur and purple dots, and then the other one had, like, one eye. And uh, they worked in Monstropolis, and their job was to scare little kids at night. And one part of one of the movies had a little girl named Boo who escaped uh, the world of the earth and came into the world of the monsters. And the idea was to how they're going to get her back to her regular world. But the reason those types of uh, stories are so popular is because we can relate to the fact of how scary darkness can be. Nothing scary in heaven, though. Nobody there to spook us. No night Uh, In heaven. All right. In the third place, uh, this evening we're going to go ahead and notice the fact that there are no tears in heaven. No tears in heaven. One of our great and most favorite ideas about heaven: no tears in heaven. You see in your Bibles in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, these words: "He will wipe away every tear uh, from their eyes." And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And also, if you're just marking in your Bible, you'll notice the same statement made in Revelation 7 and verse 17, where it simply says, God shall wipe away every tear. I have circled in my Bible every tear, every tear. What a tremendous hope uh, that brings us. Let us first of all think about this in regard to tears. God takes notice of our tears right now. He knows about our tears right now. Way back in Psalm 56 and verse 8, we read how that God keeps our tears in a special bottle. That's what it says. Psalm 56, verse 8. He keeps our tears in a special bottle. That's a, that's, a, that's a neat, unique little image he gives us there. Okay. And I think what he's trying to do is to let us know that when we are in pain or when we're lonely, that God is close by. He takes note of our, our situations in life, whether or not it's silly, whether or not we feel bad about actually shedding those tears, or not, God is right there, next to us, and He keeps those tears. They're precious to Him. He's letting us know, I know when you cry, and I will not forget what brought that that pain, or that anguish, uh, to you. In Second like Kings 20 and verse 5, concerning King Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, uh, at this time was undergoing a lot of political uh, turmoil. And uh, God sent a message to him. He says, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. I have seen your tears. And that promise is to us as well. God says that to us constantly, okay? He he hears our prayers. He sees our tears. We need to take great comfort uh, in that. But it's so true that in heaven, God will wipe away every tear. Let's think about that for a second. Every tear. He will wipe away the tears of concern. The tears of concern. There are things that, that concern us as, as followers of God. Things that concern us. Paul uh, relates this in Philippians 3 and verse 18. He says, I tell you, even weeping I tell you, even with tears I tell you, that there are some who are enemies of the cross of Jesus. And he says, here it is. They are enemies of the cross. He said, I don't tell you this with any joy. Okay? No laughter here. This brings me to tears. You can tell a lot about a person of what he, what he grieves over. What brings grief to my heart? Okay. Well, when people are working against and making themselves enemies of Christ and what he's done, that ought to concern us. It ought to bring some some sort of grief and mourning to our our hearts. In Romans 9, 1 through 3, Paul said that the fact that a lot of his Jewish brethren, men who had the same sort of Jewish background that he had, the fact that they had not come to Christ brought uh, tears to his eyes. He even said that he wished he himself could be accursed from Christ if that meant uh, their salvation. It just... It grieved Paul to the depths of his soul that they just simply weren't uh, receiving Christ and his gospel. And so there are tears of concern that will be wiped away. There's also tears of goodbye. The tears of goodbye. There's so many of those in life, aren't there? The tears of goodbye. You remember that scene in Acts 20, about verse 36. Paul had been having a a pretty lengthy discussion with the elders of the church at Ephesus. And it's time for them to say goodbye. And they, they walk out. They sort of escort Paul out to his, to his place of travel, his ship. And they, they kneel down and pray. And then they hug each other. And they shed tears. Tears of goodbye. Goodbye. Those are hard. Those are hard. The book of 2 Timothy has Paul's farewell words to that young man. Farewell to the world, really. And he mentions Timothy's tears in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 4. He knew that Paul's, Paul knew that his own demise was going to be bringing uh, tears to the eyes of, of Timothy. And he writes to assure him, to comfort him, to challenge him even. So there are tears of goodbye there's also tears of mourning. This is part of this life, and this is part of what God will wipe away there in he- heaven. Tears of mourning. Tears of mourning. When Brother Ken's uh, father passed away a few years ago, I remember standing with him uh, there in the hospital hallway. I remember later seeing Ken. He says, he says the, the thing about it is, I'm so accustomed to picking up the phone and calling my dad. Now I can't do it, and that was my habit with my mom. She just wanted to hear from us she she didn't demand that we be there by her side, she, but she did wanted to hear from us every day and and we all of us had the habit of picking up the phone and calling her and you, you just can't do that uh, anymore. There are tears of mourning. We remember the deceitfulness of joseph's brothers genesis thirty seven they they took Joseph's coat and they dipped it in the the uh, goat's blood and brought it to uh, brought it to Jacob and and um, and deceived him. And when they tried to comfort him, uh, he would not be comforted. He would not be comforted. He was mourning. We know and we read about Stephen stoning in Acts 7, then the beginning of Acts 8, 1 through 3. There was great lamentation made over the death of Stephen. So there are tears of mourning. All of these will be wiped away up there in that, that upper land, that high and holy place of God. And then there are tears there are of regret. Okay, if you're honest there are some things you really regret, and every once in a while, it may bring you to a very sorrowful place in life. Hebrews 12, 16 and 17 mentions the the regret of Esau, who for one morsel of meat gave up his birthright and blessing, and then later he sought sought it diligently with tears, even with tears, and so, the background of this is Genesis 25, and then in Genesis 27, you see Esau coming back to his, to his father Isaac uh, saying, Reverse it, father, reverse it. And, and what was done was done, and he sought it diligently with tears tears of regret. Tears of regret. How many times have, have we had those in our own lives? But in heaven, God will wipe those all away. What about tears? of repentance. Tears of repentance. If we are true to the will of God, there are times, there ought to be times on this planet during our lives, many times, where we get on our knees before God and we tell Him, Lord, I've done it again. I've done it again. And I've made the same mistake twice or I've said the same thing again. I didn't mean to, but here I am, Lord. And David says in Psalm 6 that he... He covered his bed at night uh, with tears, covered his bed, made all of his bed just completely soaked in his tears, tears of repentance. And then I would add this one more set of tears. And this is one to think about for sure. There are tears of punishment Tears of punishment. Jesus warns about this in Matthew 25 and verse 30. He says concerning hell, He says, There shall be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, but first the weeping. The weeping. Tears of punishment. As the old saying says, Rivers of tears run down the face, but none of the pain can they erase. That's a little saying that is good to think about because it brings soberness to our soul. Rivers of tears run down the face, but none of the pain can they erase. That's a picture of hell. A very real picture of hell. The pain will be lingering forever and ever. The tears that are shed will not erase that pain. But in heaven, all of our tears shall be wiped away. Every tear. It reminds you of Psalm 126. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. That is ultimately fulfilled in heaven. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Psalm 126 and verse 5. Market, market, market. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Let us not give up. Let us not give up. Let us continue to sow the seed of God's word. Even if it means rough times, even if it means hardship, even if it means tears because the promise is that one day we will reap in joy. Now, a little side note perhaps, maybe you ask, well, how can I expect to be in that place and have no tears when I look around and I do not see somebody there that I want to see there? Won't that bring sadness to me then? Well, it doesn't seem to be bringing any sadness to you right now. What are we doing about it right now? This is the time to be wise. What about now? If you're fearful that somebody's not going to be there, then while we have time and opportunity, why aren't we doing something about it now? While we're here under the sun, why aren't we doing something about it now? Doesn't Jesus say in John 9 verse 4, we must work the works of him that sent me while it's day? The night comes when no man can work. That's going to be the time when it's too late. Okay. If you're up there in heaven and you're thinking about and you're becoming sad that somebody's not there, that's not the time to think about that. The time to think about that is now. What about now? But still, there'll be people that we would love to be there who won't be there. But I believe this is how that works. We have an appreciation, I know you do. You have an appreciation now of spiritual and heavenly things. I know you do. When you get to heaven, having left the limitations of this world and having left the limitations of this physical body and you have a new body, then your appreciation for heavenly and spiritual matters Will be greatly enhanced to where you will be more in one with the Lord than you ever have been in your life, in your existence. And I believe we'll find ourselves completely agreeing with God, saying, Amen, Lord, Amen. What you have done here is completely correct and righteous and holy. No tears. In heaven. A couple more thoughts in Revelation chapter seven, verses fifteen and sixteen. In heaven there'll be no hunger, no thirst. In other words, no more common afflictions of life. There'll be complete satisfaction there in heaven. You may think that you run into places like that on earth, and maybe you find some peaceful peaceful places on earth. This past Friday morning, about 6 to 6.30, we were out at the bottom of King, can- the bottom of uh, Cascade Falls, which becomes the top of Cane Creek Falls. And so you can stand when it's dry enough, and it's been dry enough this year. You can stand and you can look at the top of Cane Creek Falls, and then you can look back at Cascade Falls, and you're standing in the midst of a canyon, a, wall, a canyon, a wall and flowers and trees and greenery and waterfall, and you think, "This is well, if I could just stay right here, but we can't, we can't. When we get to heaven, though, oh, what a place it's going to be. No more hungering, no more thirsting. And then this statement from Revelation chapter three and verse number 12. Those who overcome, those who overcome. I will make him to be a pillar in the temple of my God. This is Jesus' letter to the church at Philadelphia. Those who overcome the Lord will make them to be a pillar in the temple of my God. Just an image for heaven. Never shall he go out of it. No more parting. No more leaving. Now, some of you take some wonderful vacations, but you have to come back home and go back to work and go back to regular life. Once you get to heaven, no leaving. No leaving at all. Isn't that wonderful to think about? As we close this evening, I want to read from this great song. I believe it is 538. Beyond this land of parting, losing and leaving, far beyond the losses, darkening this, and far beyond the taking and the bereaving, lies the summer land of bliss. Beyond this land of toiling, sowing, and reaping, far beyond the shadows darkening this, and far beyond the sighing, moaning, and weeping, lies the summer land of bliss. Beyond this land of waiting, seeking, and sighing, far beyond the sorrows darkening this, and far beyond the pain and sickness and dying, lies the summer land of bliss. Land beyond, so fair and bright. Land beyond, where is no night. Summer land, God is its light. Oh, happy summer land of bliss. If it's time or if you're ready to come home to the Lord, make that decision this evening right now as we stand together as we sing, Brother T.